welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. You know, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you every week about fatherhood, about being an amazing father, to be an engaged father, and bringing you dads that are doing their best to be the best dads that they can be. And, you know, every father has their own path, has their own journey, and it's so important for each of us to be able to learn from each other, from the stories of other fathers. And a lot of times we're not always willing or willing to to open up and to share those stories. So I love being able to bring dads here to be able to talk to you, to be able to share their own journeys and be able so that you can be able to learn from them and potentially grow from them as well. So today we've got another great dad with us. Kent Frazier is with us. We're going to be talking to him about uh, being a single dad and talking about he and his daughter. And, you know, I'm just really excited to be able to talk to him and introduce him to you. So Kent, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. I'm honored to be here and I love this topic. So a deep bow of respect for you to be hosting these conversations that really matter. So thank you so much, Chris. Well, I appreciate you being here. And I always start the show with an opportunity to turn the clock back in time. And I want to go all the way back, all the way back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. What was going through your head? So I I don't know what was, if I could say what went through my heart first or what went through my head first. (laughs) It seemed to be two, two of those streams seemed to be colliding. My, my heart, I noticed just swelled and opened in ways that I had never experienced before. And then simultaneously, my fear and anxiety (laughs) also, you know, ballooned in ways that I had never experienced before. And, you know, so here's the paradoxical nature of human existence. You know, both of those things co-arise and they're, and they're both true. The amount of love that I felt and the amount of fear that I felt simultaneously was quite distinct. There's definitely distinct moments, especially that first moment that you hold your child, but there's so many others throughout the, the lives of your children. And I know for myself, in having two daughters myself, there definitely was fear in there. Um, as a person that was an only child, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time, especially with my oldest daughter. So I know in talking to a lot of dads that fear is natural, and there's definitely some fear there for a lot of dads. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters in society? Gosh, where to start? There, there seemed to be so many. And that's what was quite overwhelming is all of a sudden I became present to all these fears that I that had never even entered my conscious awareness before. Yeah, because I didn't have a kid and I didn't have a daughter. And so fears about safety primarily, like, oh my gosh, the, you know, my precious daughter, how's she going to be safe? I don't want her, I don't want any harm to befall on her. What kids have to deal with in school today, what women deal with in the workplace. You know, I, I've spent 30 years in corporate America and, you know, the, what women have to deal with in the professional environment, you know, so just like all kinds of things that I had never even really fully considered. Now I saw every woman in my life as someone else's precious daughter. And that was a massive shift for me. So as you made that shift for yourself, what did you have to do to be able to 
make that shift and be able to start thinking about not only your daughter in a different way, but women in a different way? Yeah. Well, so for me, and this is hard to talk about, and I've talked about this in some other contexts as well, but you know, the culture and era that I grew up in, boys were groomed to be a certain way, to become quote unquote men. And that meant certain views that we have of ourselves, certain views that we hold among, you know, our peer group of men, certain views we hold around women. And for a lot of my adolescent life, it was like, oh, women were like, they were like trophies to collect in a way. And it was like, oh, I just, it wasn't healthy. You know, it was a way that I was seeking to fulfill my own lack of self-love, my own self care, like I would try to find that in relationships with other women and they would never fit the bill because that wasn't something that could be satisfied by another person. And so all of a sudden I got really present to, wow, I haven't been as skillful in my way of relating to women in my dating life. It was more of a way to like to meet a need of mine versus oh, how am I going to care for this other person? Whether that was a thing of becoming a, a father to a daughter, I also have a, a son who's two years younger than she is, or if that's just the first thing that happens, one moves into parenthood. It's like, oh my gosh, like the world all of a sudden doesn't exist for my amusement and satisfaction only. It was a monumental shift from a me orientation to an other or we orientation. And that's shocking. I have to deal with a lot of shame and a lot of regret and a lot of guilt and a lot of anger and a lot of anxiety. I mean, you know, this this brings up a lot of the the more challenging emotions that one has to learn how to contend with as we move further into adulthood. So there was a lot to confront in that. I think there's always a lot to confront when we look at internally to ourselves, but also as we look at our daughters and what they are dealing with as they get older. I know I've had to do that myself and in, in looking at the biases that I have within myself, the preconceived notions, the, the ways in which that I was raised to be able to tear down some of those, to be able to be present, but also to be able to set those things aside, to be able to be a better father in the end. That helps me to be able to better connect, better have opportunities to see my daughters in a whole different way. And I think that that's important. And it's a really important work that we all have to do in that regard. Yeah. So you were speaking to biases, I think, that, that you were recognizing as you came into parenthood. And in the work that we do with folks, the language we put to that is, you know, what were you given? What were you given from your family of origin? What were you given from your culture of origin? the time, the community you were born into? Like, how are you programmed to think about roles in families or in, in society? And one of the hardest things for me, I grew up in a classical American family. Mom, dad, they've been married for 54 years. Dad went and worked. Mom stayed home and worked. You know, she took care of the home. And so that was my template. That was my map. Those were my biases or what I was given. And so when when I became a single dad with a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son, one of the hardest things for me was confronting this nasty internal conversation I kept having, which was, this isn't my job. All the stuff to take care of kids and meals and diapers and cleaning and laundry and all like that, because that's all the stuff that my mom did in our family. And so my map was, this isn't my job. And I had so much anger and resentment and just 
bitterness that I had to contend with and, and reconcile. Like it, it actually is my job and I have to choose it. So if I can continue, if I continue to rail against this isn't my job, that's not how I want to be as a dad because I don't express lovingly and skillfully when I'm in a view or an orienting context of this isn't my job. Have you had anything like that in your ways of relating parenting? Yeah, I think so. I think that for me, I mean, I've seen that in some aspects of my life and I think it it impacts the way that I relate to my significant other, but it also impacts the way that I relate to my daughters as well. And I think that we have to watch that because the preconceived notions of what masculinity is and what it shows our daughters by the way that we show that in our relationship with significant others, if we have significant others in our lives, is so telling. And and I think that we have to be very careful with that, especially as dads with daughters, that we are sharing the work at home, that we are balancing that work. We're showing that the work at home is a collaborative job. If If you have a spouse or a significant other in your life, you know, the script is flipped if you are a single parent. And that's definitely something that I know that you've had to deal with. And I know that you became a single dad. And I'm sure that some of the things that you were dealing with early on with your daughter and significant other were much different when you had to become a single dad. What was some of the most significant learning that you had to go through for yourself when you moved into that? Yeah, thank you. And and I'll just say, um, just for accuracy, it's co-parent. You know, I was 50% custody of my kids. And so my kid's mom, Christine, she and I have a, a really loving relationship now, much better than when we were married. So we made a good choice in that way. So what shifted is, again, building on our previous conversation here around our cultural givens. I I was in my marriage expecting to be served because that's what I saw my mom do to my dad. Not speaking any disrespect. That's just the era they were born into. You know, the wife takes care of the husband and the house and the kids. And that's just what I saw. So I moved into my relationship expecting to be served. And so that doesn't go well. Right. So I had to learn, oh gosh, like I, I come to my family to serve. Like there's no one here now for me to put all these other responsibilities on, you know, as when I come home from being out in the wilderness, you know, in the corporate world, I don't want to have anything to do when I come home. I've already done my job. My day's over. So I had to shift radically from all of that not being my job, not wanting to do it, having to do both and having to learn how to love it. And really, in the, we all have masculine and feminine traits. You know, I'm not talking about gender typologies here. I'm talking about our ability to have agency in the world and our ability to ask for help and receive, to give and to receive. And so I had to recognize that my primary job now wasn't going out and trying to figure out how to build a business first. My pr- primary job is I have to actually learn how to be a father. So talk to me a little bit about that, because having to learn how to be a father and I'm sure had to change the way that you perceived being a father before you were a co-parent and after and now that you're a co-parent. I'm sure that your view of yourself, but also your view of fatherhood has changed. How has it changed? I've softened a lot. I'm much more loving. I still express emotion, right? And and the emotion that I've had to work with most is anger. And a lot of men have to deal with anger and we don't know how to deal with it really well. And so, you know, there's times when I yell and I see what the yelling does to the kids. And so, you know, I'm present and I'm aware of that. So it's like, as soon as I become aware that, okay, this isn't how I want it to continue to go, it's stop. 
it's apologize, it's let's hug and let's talk and let's understand what daddy's angry about because anger in my experience always points to something deeper, which is something that I really love and care about. So I move through the anger rather than staying on the anger button, if you will, and have to shift into cleaning up unskillful means and express love and compassion and kindness and softness. It can't just be that the dad's always the disciplinarian, the mom's always the one who makes the boo-boos feel better. Like I had to learn how to do both of those things. So it's really developing a more skillful and healthy expression of masculinity, a more mature and developed and refined and wise expression of that, and also develop the dynamism and tenderness and openness of feminine trait and being a, a nurturing caregiver to little kids. I mean, it, it was the biggest developmental experience I've been through. These last four years have been the most rich developmental experience I could have ever asked for. And how has your relationship with your daughter changed because of the changes that you've had to make within yourself? Yeah. So when the perspective shifts like, oh, this is my job and I get to choose this. And now I have such deep gratitude. If I would have stayed married, I would have stayed likely in those cultural narratives those familial roles and narratives. And I wouldn't have anywhere close to the level of intimacy and love and trust and companionship and closeness because I would have just continued to outsource all that to my wife. And so it's such a blessing, again, back to paradox. You know, one of the hardest things, not want really like having to combat not wanting to do all this stuff because I'd rather just go work at the office because that's what I was used to. And to have such deep gratitude and connection and love and intimacy with my kids that I wouldn't have had, I, I wouldn't trade the hardness for that at all. Now for other dads that are hearing this and they're saying to themselves, I see myself falling into some of the, the roles that you were seeing yourself in, that they were identifying within themselves or that they can't identify within themselves, that they are in that type of a continual process of deferring to their spouse, to holding on to specific roles within their life. And maybe that is impacting the relationship that they have with their daughters. What steps would you say to them or what would you say to them in regards to things that they can do to try and repair the relationship, but also move to a more intimate relationship with their daughters? One of the exercises or practices, as I call it, that I do with my daughter regularly. By regularly, it, this has been the last couple of years, I do it once a year about, but it's a great set of questions. So I say, Delilah, what can you always count on daddy for? What's daddy just great at? And she speaks into that. And then I say, okay, great. Hey, Delilah, what's daddy just like, what can you never count on daddy for? What am I just awful at. And I get to hear her speak into that. And I'm giving her permission to say, to share what she loves about me. I give her permission to share about what, you know, where does daddy like mess it up? And, and she gets to speak into that. And I just get to hear her and receive it. And, and I'm getting a better glimpse of how my daughter sees me. I had a boss one time say, when, when you're going around your life, can you hold the perspective of your daughter looking and pointing at you and saying, that's my dad. What's she looking at and what's she pointing to as she says that? And is that what you want her to see? 
And is that what you want her to be pointing to? And so that was really powerful for me. Now, I know you mentioned that you have a really strong relationship with uh, your co-parent, that you may not be in the same home, but you've got a good relationship. And that's definitely good for the relationship with your daughter. So talk to me about what you had to do to be able to maintain that really strong relationship and positive relationship in a co-parenting relationship. Because not every father has that in their life, or maybe they're just starting the process of separating and they want that type of relationship. So what did you two have to do to be able to try your best to be able to have that strong relationship? The golden rule that I followed and that Christine followed as when we decided we were going to reorganize our family structure, we said, what's best for the kids is what's our North Star. Having the kids feel love and affinity from both of us towards them and towards one another is the most important thing. So that became our guiding light. And every time, and tensions come up and we're not married anymore. You know, it's clearly things weren't aligned. There was there was some lack of coherence or ability to, to exist in that way in a healthy context. So we had a lot of work to do and we kept just going back to, is this what's best for the kids? I know this is your preference and I know this is my preference. Let's look at it through the kids' eyes. And what do the kids' eyes tell us in the context of love and affinity for our family? And then one of the most powerful breakthrough moments I had was I invited Christine over to my house one night. This was probably a year, year and a half after. No, it was it was a year and a half after we had been divorced. And I invited her over and I said, the purpose of this conversation is I just want to get from you what it was like to be married to me. And I'm not going to defend anything. I'm not going to promote anything. I just, I want to give you an opportunity to say anything you've ever wanted to say to me, to share anything, to share any impacts you want to share. And I, I just need to get from you in as full a way as you are willing to share with me what it was like to be married with me because I'm not interested in taking my pathologies and neuroses forward into a future relationship. And so we sat for a couple of hours one night and I just listened and we both cried and she said stuff that I, I, I didn't even remember happening. And she was holding on to it and had so much anger and aggression and her just knowing that I heard her allows her to let go of that too. I heard stuff that I didn't even know she was upset about. That it never even occurred to me in the ways that these situations occurred to her. So just hearing my partner, what her experience is of me without having to be, make her wrong for having that experience of me. That was the most powerful clearing that I could have ever created. And I just said, thank you. Such a powerful thing to be able to just sit and listen. And I think that our daughters need that too. So many men that I've talked to are fixers by nature. We jump in and we're wanting to fix all the ilks of the world and needing to do whatever we can to be able to fix the issues. And I know I've learned along the way that sometimes you just got to shut up and listen. And because our daughters and the other women in our life don't always want us to fix things. They just want us to listen. I understand. That sounds hard. <laughs> exactly. Those kinds of things. Letting them have their own experience about needing to be saved or rescued by some guy. Right? I hold my daughter as powerful woman who doesn't need to be saved. That that's how I want her to know herself. That starts at home. That starts at home with daddy not saving her and letting her build her own resilience and her own ways forward and her own muscle. Which is also hard, by the way. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. It's very hard. And, and sometimes seeing them fail or seeing them struggle, you know, it makes you struggle too, because it's definitely not something that you like to see. And it, there's this ingrained thing in so many men that you don't want someone to struggle. You want to help them to not have that happen, especially your kids. Yeah. We just had a, an intimate school that one of Delilah's friends, girls, they're in first grade. I've never had a daughter in first grade before, so I don't know how girls paying off each other, but she was coming home and complaining a lot about this other girl, like bugging her, antagonizing her, being mean to her. So I've sent a note to the teacher and I sent a note to this other girl's parents yesterday. I'm like, what's happening here? And I felt this big Papa Bear protective swell coming on as I'm like, hey, someone at school's picking on my little girl. And that's not okay. And so I was like, oh, I, I need to move into this with some more curiosity and some inquiry versus like starting to accuse people of attacking my daughter <laughs> because I'm just hearing her side of the story. But those are strong emotions that come up powerfully and quickly. They definitely do. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Yes. In one word, what is fatherhood? Love. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? Oh, God, I just started crying a little bit. It was when she just asks me to carry her like there's this vision as a as a little girl. She's like, Daddy, carry me like a baby. She was wrapped up in her towel. And I'm like, my daughugher loves me. She like it was beautiful. And I wrote a song about it too. Now, if I was to ask your daughter, how would she describe you as a dad? She would say, I love a lot. I cry a lot. I can yell, but I am all in and I am always here. And who inspires you to be a better dad? My daughter, for sure. My son, for sure. And just any parent. I mean, parenting is really hard. And I just have such respect for anyone who takes on that role in the world. So I, I draw my inspiration from anyone who's in the role of parent. You've shared a lot of different things today, things that I know that I am thinking about myself and how it impacts myself and the way that I father. But as you are finishing up today and thinking about all dads. What's one piece of advice that you want to leave with them? I would say when in doubt, fall back into love. Just relax into love and let love be what holds and guides whatever next thought, word, action you might be considering. Well, Kent, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here today, for being a part of, for sharing your story and for sharing your journey if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? They can go to kenthfrazier.com, K-E-N-T-H-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. They can also go to fullyhuman.us because we are all just fully human. Well, Kent, thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your story, and I wish you all the best. Thanks, Chris. Likewise, I appreciate you holding these conversations that really matter. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, 
all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be